0: Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. What's cracking? Welcome to the program. My name is Jim Rome. Let me start you off by, believe it or not, wait for it, giving you a telephone number 1 800 636 86 It is toll free. Hey, Avi. Yeah, you do have a problem right now. It's always something. It is always something. All right, so uh, (laughs) let me bring you in. You've got me, and then you've got the other side of the glass, which is the XR4TI, and you've got a button stuck so I can hear everything that's going on on the other side of of the glass. So there's two shows going on in my head at one time, my show and the show that they are doing. I've always said there are two great shows. Well, there's two shows. There is the show that you hear on the air, and then there's the show that you do not hear on the air that's going on off to the side, except that I'm hearing them both. So, yes, oh, I can still hear you, Albie. I, I may take these earbuds out, if you don't mind, Alvy, until you figure out how to unstick that button. <laughs> he goes, sounds good. Dude, dude, no, uh, anyway, no, no. anyway, here's what we're looking at. Your telephone number is toll-free, 1-800-636-8686. If you want to hit me up on Twitter, go ahead and do that, at Jim Rome. Email me at Rome, R-O-M-E, at habitat.com. The interviews look like this. Coming up at 940, good friend of the program, Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network, lots of NFL to get to with him. DJ will be over all the topics. Coming up at the top of our number two, head football coach at Utah, Kyle Whittingham. Top of our number three, Washington Commanders linebacker, Cole Holcomb. So those are the three interviews. In the meantime, again, I'm going to encourage you to hit me up, one 636 8686 I don't know if Pat can hear you, but I can hear you, Alvin. <laughs> He's bleeping studio. All right, anyway, with that in mind, why don't we just go ahead and do the show nonetheless. I want to start with Baker Mayfield. So Baker Mayfield officially named the Week 1 starter for the Panthers. Now, I go out of my way to say, quote, officially, because Matt Rule came out and announced it. He made it official. But also it's unofficial in the sense that we know this guy's been the starter since the very second they made that deal for him. We know that. Baker said yesterday that he and Sam Darnold both knew, quote, that this day was going to come eventually, end of quote. Yeah, I would imagine both of them knew that. But then again, so did the entire world. They were not the only ones. I think the entire world knew that this day was going to come. I think even Sam Darnold's parents and girlfriend knew exactly where this, quote, quarterback competition was headed, which is why Baker being named the Panthers Week 1 starter is really not at all about Sam Darnold. It's all about the Panthers Week 1 opponent, which, of course, is none other than the Cleveland Browns, a.k.a. the squad formerly known as America's team, a.k.a. the squad now known as America's most tone-deaf dumpster fire, a.k.a. the, quote, brown eyes. Shout out to Abigail.
1: War Lady lady clones. clones.
0: Abigail came up with that, not me a.k.a. the team that, of course, drafted Baker Mayfield first overall just four years ago before dumping him on the Panthers in exchange for a conditional fifth-round pick and picking up most of his salary. So now Baker versus the Browns is now just 19 days away. Mark your damn calendar. Clear your damn schedule. Set your damn alarm. Because it's not going to get any better than that. No better than that in week one. I never thought that I would ever say that about a Panthers-Browns game, but it does not get any better than that. I can't wait. In fact, I'm already swimming in the dopamine that's going to be flooding my brain watching that game because clearly the Browns have this coming. Clearly, Baker Mayfield is exactly the dude who needs to stick it to them, even if he won't say it. The former QB of the former America's team can win America back in that one game. He just has to beat the Browns. He just has to beat the Browns while they pay him handsomely for the privilege of getting their asses kicked. Check this out. Andrew Brandt tweeted this yesterday. Really interesting point. He said, quote, in the opening game between Cleveland and Carolina, the Browns are paying the starting QBs A combined 15 million. The Browns are starting Jacoby Brissett, who they're paying four and a half million this year, against the Panthers' Baker Mayfield, who the Browns are paying ten and a half million. End of quote. You know, like they always say, the mark of an elite organization is paying the opposing quarterback more than your own dude. Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? Even if you count up the salary, what are we doing here? Like, we're paying the guy who's about to kick our ass more than we're paying all of our quarterbacks combined this year? Like, what are we doing here? What what, what are we doing? Again, if you count up the salary of all the four QBs currently on the Browns roster this year, it's still not as much as they're throwing Baker this season to play for the Panthers which makes that the definition of a revenge game. The perfect statement for Baker to make. It is the fastest path to getting his career back on track. And while he's been very, very chill since getting to Carolina, push him hard enough, ask him enough times, and even he has to admit this is a big, big game. Three weeks from now, we're going to handle prepping for Cleveland. Obviously, there's uh, a lot of attachment there. I'm not gonna, like I told you guys of offered. I'm not gonna sit here and be a robot and say that it doesn't mean anything. Um, it will, but right now all that matters is me continuing to improve until this regular season starts. I interrupt this thought to compliment Alvin DeLauro for somehow fixing that on the fly. a boy, Alvi. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, why don't you give yourself a deck of yeah, Alvi, in the opening segment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right, just so you know. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Imagine a button getting stuck and not being able to unstick said button. So whatever it is they do, I've never known what the hell y'all do anyway back there. Now I do. Now I do. I heard it. Anyway, nice job, Alvin. Way to go. Alvin's like just MacGyvering the whole thing on the fly. So back to Baker. So Baker said, you know, yeah, we'll find out in three weeks. I mean, of course it means something, right? And by something, I mean it means everything. And by everything, what I mean is it's essentially this guy's Super Bowl. Not to disrespect Baker. You know I love the guy. But don't tell me that game does not mean everything to him. Of course. We know this guy. We know how hot this guy runs. He's got to win that game. And for a lot of different reasons. In fact, for all of the reasons including the fact that the Browns never, ever win in Week 1 anyway. And that's not hyperbole, and that's not exaggeration. They never win in Week 1. Since they came back, they've won one single opening week game. One. And that was back in 2004. As in, they have lost every single opener since 2004, with the exception of a tie in 2018. So, once again, just to reset this, the Browns are 1-21-1 in Week 1s since 1999. And that only win came 18 years ago. They do not win Week 1. So, Baker cannot let them win. This is basically the first must-win Week 1 game in NFL history. Baker needs it. Matt Rule needs it. And the Browns need that curb stomping. Not that anybody needs to tell Baker this. Baker, you know my man. Get this done and you get your title back. America's team might be a dead, rotting corpse. But America's QB can still rise from those pathetic ashes by just winning one game. Just one game. A game that you're favorite in. 19 days from right now. I mean, essentially it is this dude's Super Bowl. If I'm not mistaken, even Sam Darnold beat the Jets, right? His first shot back with them. Week one, last year. And believe me, the stakes are about a thousand times higher for Baker than they were Sam. And Matt Rule, let's not sleep on you, dude. You need this too. You need this badly as well. Congrats for not blowing your QB starter, even though we all knew who was going to be the starter the very second you made that deal. Congratulations. Next on your to-do list, make sure you keep your guy upright. What good what good is a dude fueled on premium bitterness when he's on his back or running for his life from Miles Garrett? In other words, Matthew, scheme the hell up. Coach them the hell up. Give this guy a shot. I'm not sure I have ever been as fired up for a week one game as I am that game. I know I've never, ever, ever been as fired up for a Panthers-Browns game as I am right now. 19 days, yo. In fact, I've already hit that thing on DraftKings. Well, I hit it somewhere. DraftKings has got it. 1-800-636-8686. You're on the clock, Baker Mayfield. (laughs) Baker's handling this very, very well. Man, how badly do you think that he really wants to say how he feels? But he's not. He's handling it like a pro. I'm just saying, I know this dude. We know how this dude runs generally, how odd he runs generally. Now that it is, quote, official, he gets the starting gig. He gets a crack of the team that broke him off. Not just broke him off, but broke him off for Deshaun Watson. Took all that heat, tried to play through injury last year, didn't matter, and now he's going to get a shot. Not only a shot at redemption, although he makes the point of saying this is not a redemption year. Uh-huh. He gets an immediate shot at redemption. Yeah. Obviously. If by not being a redemption year, he means it's the biggest revenge tour ever, then I would agree it's not a redemption year. Obviously, by the way, I'm here for it. I love it. This is what I love about this guy. I mean, redemption year, you look at his football life, it's a redemption life. His entire football life is a revenge tour. This is what I love about Baker Mayfield. So that day can't get here quickly enough. 1-800-636-8686. Had to start with that since, quote, Carolina made it official. It is now official. Yeah, I've got a quick question for you. Do you feel like your antiperspirant keeps you dry all day long? Dove Men Plus Care Dry Spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel and offers 48 hours sweat and odor protection. 48 hours. Like, I didn't even know that was possible. 48 hours. Dove Men Dry Spray feels light and clean on your skin, and it's quick and easy to use. I mean, the product is pretty amazing all of that and especially especially good when you're on the go and dove men dry spray continues and dove men dry spray contains doves unique one quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin and it goes without saying you better be moisturizing it leaves your skin feeling comfortable and it helps to protect your skin and did i say you had best be moisturizing i do you should Try Dove Men Dry Spray, goes on dry, clean feel all day. Daniel, Jeremiah, DJ, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing great, Jim. What's going on, man? Great to have you back. Thanks so much for doing it, Daniel. Listen, lots to cover, but let me just jump right in. You, of course, are the voice of the Chargers. You've seen Justin Herbert up close and personal now for a while. I've been so impressed with everything this guy's done the first couple of years. I'm curious, DJ, what do you think your number three looks like for Herbert?
2: It's scary. Uh, I mean, when, when you just look at what he's done already, Jim, coming off a of 5,000 uh, passing yard season, and now he gets a chance to play in the same system for the second year, for the first time as a pro. Um, I, I think you're going to see a mastery of the system. I think you're going to see, you know, some of the other weapons that the that they have that are going to emerge with guys like Josh Palmer that I don't think a lot of people are familiar with that are really really good players. The offensive lines uh, back again for another year. I mean, it's look. I don't want to overhype it, Jim, and I'm not trying to oversell you. You mentioned I call the games, but like. This guy's a legit, legit MVP candidate on a team that's got enough talent to win a Super Bowl. So the expectations couldn't be any higher.
0: Daniel Jeremiah joining us. I think that's all fair. I think that's all valid, and I think that's not an oversell. I could talk to you about the Chargers for the rest of the hour, but let me just jump around a little bit, DJ. What about Trey Lance? He's the guy that everybody has their eyes on because of the weapons that he has around him in San Francisco and how that team or how deep that team went last year. He didn't play very much last season, and because of COVID, he really has not played a lot in quite some time what kind of expectations do you have for him this year
2: well I mean you go from one team that I'm really high on to the next Jim I mean I I think the 49ers get a chance to be in the Super Bowl this year I think Trey Lance is going to play great I I think you're going to have to look at the right numbers if you're going to be focused on efficiency and you're going to be focused on completion percentage yeah maybe that doesn't hit some of the marks you're looking for but this is going to be an explosive offense. Uh, it's going to be big plays down the field. He's going to be able to use his legs, which he's going to generate some big plays with his legs. The the, the fact you have to account for him as a runner is going to create big plays for their other runners. Um, and I think that defensive front is as good as we have in the NFL, uh, you know, led by Nick Bosa. So every year when we come into the season, I, I kind of do the same thing. I try and stick with, hey, what defensive front and quarterbacks do I believe in? And that's how you win games in the NFL right now. So that 49ers front is outstanding, and I think Trey Lance is going to be a blast to watch this year.
0: Daniel Jeremiah joining us. All right, so on that point, what quarterbacks do you believe in? How much do you believe in Zach Wilson as he recovers from his knee injury? And then when you look also, DJ, about the arrival or the arrival of Garrett Wilson in the draft, does it feel like a situation where the Jets offense can move forward in a big way and take a big step?
2: I sure hope so. I mean, the talent around the quarterback is is really in a good spot. And I love Brees Hall. I think he's got a chance to be the rookie of the year. Garrett Wilson, you saw, is just continuing to make one spectacular catch after another. I love Elijah Moore. They've got tight ends. You know, even without Mekhi Becton, I think the line is at least middle of the road. You know, it's not an embarrassment out there. They're fine. Um, they've got a good scheme as well. So there's no excuses for the quarterback not to play well. But until we see it, Jim, and I liked him coming into the draft. I, I know he's talented. He's got a huge arm. He's a great athlete. But he's got to make layups, man. Like, he missed layups last year. Uh, this year there's going to be even more layups baked into this offense because of the talent they have. He doesn't need to be some spectacular, you know, Superman quarterback. Just hit the layups. Um, so, you know, we'll see if he can pull that off. I, I think, you know, you kind of read some of the comments from some of the guys. And I think the fact that Flacco might get the ball here for the first couple weeks, they seem like they might be okay with that because
0: he's just going to kind
2: of sit back there in the cockpit and just kind of get the ball out and get it where it needs to be. and, And that's really all they need.
0: Daniel Jeremiah covering a lot of ground, whipping around the NFL, joins us once again. DJ, what about Kenny Pickett getting a lot of buzz in camp? Certainly seems to be the fan favorite to start week one. In your mind... DJ, has he done enough to win that job, or do you maybe look at that offensive line and think we better keep the rookies safe for a little while longer?
2: Yeah, bingo. Um, you know, sometimes it's not just you know as plain and simple as ah this this guy's better than that guy. Let's let's put him out there. You have to have some context there. I just don't know if you want to baptize him into the NFL behind that offensive line right now. Um, I, I I think Trubisky is and Trubisky hasn't he hasn't been knocked out. If you talk about oh you got to beat the incumbent and he kind of came in. Uh, as the favorite for that job, I think Pickett's been a little bit better, uh, but Trubisky's played well, and I think with Trubisky's athleticism and experience, he's got a chance to maybe cover up some of those awards up front that might give uh, you know Kenny Pickett some trouble when you're not facing these preseason static defenses. You know, so that that would be my guess. I think we see. I think we see Trubisky for a good chunk of the season. I think they're going to be patient with Pickett, even though he's, he's really done a nice job in the preseason.
0: He has. Daniel Jeremiah joining us. DJ, let me get your updated thoughts on Kyler Murray. Like That whole story and the reaction to his contract and the film study clause really was something. In, in the aftermath, how much of that damaged his reputation around the league? And then maybe as a follow-up, if he really had not been studying, how much better could he be if he starts to put in that time in the film room and with the iPad?
2: Yeah, I don't know if his reputation's been damaged as much as everybody was like, holy crap, dude, this guy's playing this well without doing any work? Like, what happens if he, if he you know, puts in some time and takes that, that part of his game to the next level? Um, so, you know, I, I think some people got kind of a chuckle out of it. But, you know, you learn and you grow as a young player, and I think, you know, that getting out and getting public, while it might have been a little bit embarrassing, I think big picture-wise, um, I think it could be beneficial for him. And, you know, Jim, I watched that game the other night, on TV and uh, they did a sideline interview. I can't remember who, who was doing the interview. That might've been Aaron Andrews, but they did a, a sideline interview with Kyler. And I thought it was the most like talkative slash comfortable in his own skin that I've ever seen him. So, you know, maybe he came out okay on the other side of this thing.
0: Interesting. So you and Bucky were talking about Chris Olave recently, and man, he looks awesome, doesn't he? Like, not surprising, but he looks absolutely awesome. How does he look to you in terms of fit with the Saints offense, and then what kind of a year are you expecting from him and the Saints offense overall?
2: Well, they've always had a guy like that, you know. They've always had somebody that could really stretch the field vertically, Um, you know, you can go back through all all the Drew Brees years. So... I think they have a role and they know how to use somebody like that, even though there are some you know some new coaches in place. I think the majority of, of everything is the same. so um, you know he's going to be able to stretch it vertically. I hope Michael Thomas can stay out there um, you know we can see the old version of what we you know kind of uh, knew of him as one of the premier premier receivers in the league, uh, you know especially underneath an intermediate. But, man, you make life a lot easier on Michael Thomas and your tight ends when you got somebody that can threaten over the top. And I think that's what Olave's going to do. Jim, I mean, I've seen this kid going back to high school in in San Diego, and I remember him as a freshman against Michigan. I think he blocked a punt in that game and, and caught a touchdown in that game as a freshman. Uh, Some guys are kind of wired for it and and hit the ground running. And uh, I think that's the way he is. I expect he's going to have a big year.
0: Man, he is smooth. He makes it look easy, too. Daniel Jeremiah joining us. DJ, never too early to start looking at next year's draft. So when you look at Alabama's Bryce Young, the Heisman Trophy winner, what kind of a quarterback do you see? Like, how does his game translate to the next level? And what does he need to show NFL teams this year?
2: Well, I loved everything about him, Jim, you know, except the size. And and I had buddies in the league. They're like, hey, you know, be a little bit cautious. You know, don't go all in yet until you see him in person because he's just so little. Um, But I'm like, dude, I I mean, the accuracy, uh, the poise, like all different arm angles. Like some guys just are natural throwers. He's a natural thrower. Uh, Somebody was asking me the other day, Jim, like, what's the comparison, you know, for Bryce Young? And I'm like, oh, you like Aaron Rodgers if you left him in the dryer too long.
0: Funny, Daniel Jeremiah joining us. DJ, I got to ask you. Stepping away from football before I let you go, you are a legendary Padres fan. I've got to ask you to take me through your emotions over the past few weeks. The trade for Josh Hader, then Juan Soto, then you find out that Fernando Tatis Jr. tested positive for a banned substance. What has the stretch been like for you personally?
2: Uh, It's been a roller coaster. I think you you uh, you nailed it there, Jim. I mean, it's like we
0: can't have nice
2: things. Um, but I, you know, as a, as any Padre fan can do, like it just takes one win. You're like, Oh no, this is going to, this is it. We'll, we'll get it rolling right now. Um, so at this point in time, just get in the tournament. If they can just get into the tournament, I'll view it as a success. And then you kind of go into next year, you'll have hopefully tattoos for the majority of the year at Soto and Machado and, and you go from there. But if they don't get in the tournament this year, I'm going to catch all kind of hell from all my Dodger fan friends.
0: You know you will. So, I mean, you're somebody who's actually been in this kind of position. Really quickly, I got about 60 seconds, DJ. Like, Tatis, how disappointed are you in him?
2: Oh, extremely. I mean, this guy literally was going to be the face of baseball, and now this is going to be attached to him, um, you know, for the rest of his career. So that's unfortunate. He's a, you know, he's such a great player. He's so fun to watch. And, uh, unfortunately, this is going to kind of go with him for the rest of his career.
0: And he's only 23. He is an NFL Network analyst. He is host of the Move the Sticks podcast along with Bucky Brooks, which is a great listen. You can follow him on Twitter at Move the Sticks. DJ, always great to have you on. Thanks for covering so much ground. Great talking to you, DJ. Thank you very much.
2: You're the best. Only you could make me want to move to Wisconsin, brother.
0: You know, we could talk about how complicated other banks make it to redeem credit card rewards, like how they require minimums and, worse yet, how their rewards flat out expire. Or we could talk about how with discover you can redeem your rewards for cash in any amount at any time. I mean, you want to talk about amazing. And now that we've talked about that, let's get back to the daily jungle. You know, the stuff that we talk about here daily. Learn more at discover.com slash redeem rewards. Terms apply. All right, so earlier in the hour, Sham Sharinia tweeted, quote, Steve Nash, Joe Tsai, and Sean Marks met with Kevin Durant and Rich Kleiman in Los Angeles on Monday and have decided to move forward with their partnership, Netsay. So, KD's coup is failed. Try to force his way out. Try to hit them with an old maidem. It's either me or it's the coach and the GM. All right, so you're going to side with the coach and the GM. I want out. Well, they tried to get rid of him, and they couldn't find any takers, or at least not to the extent that they wanted. So now they are stuck with each other. That should be great. That's like, I don't know. That's that's like a couple that hates each other staying together for the kids. Ma and Pa hate each other's guts, but we'll stay together for the kids. We just got to get them through high school, get them the hell out the door, and then we can have a divorce. We don't like each other. In fact, we hate each other. And believe me, we've been... In separate wings of the house. We can't stand each other. We can't stand each other's face. But we'll stay together because we really have no choice. And we'll do it for the kids. And the kids won't have any idea. The kids will think that we're very much in love. Because kids never know what's going on. Kids can't figure that out. The kids don't pick up on really anything at all. Or everything for that matter. Got a bunch of guys who do not want to be there who probably can't stand the sight of each other. Believe me, these kids are not thinking to themselves, oh, mom and dad, best relationship ever. They love each other. I've never even seen them fight. Just because dad sleeps in the garage and mom has a bolt, a deadbolt, on the master bedroom door doesn't mean there's an issue. Just because we haven't seen them talk to each other ever doesn't mean there are any issues in this house. Just because dad goes, quote, off the grid for three weeks and we can't find him or communicate with him, doesn't mean there's any issues in this home. Just because they now have separate bank accounts and mom is going by her maiden name, doesn't mean there's any issue in this house. And dad bought a boat and none of us are allowed on it. And mom got a breast augmentation. Everything's fine. Everything's normal. (laughs) Just because dad smashed a bottle of champagne on that boat that we're not allowed to see and a few of his new hair plugs popped out. Does not mean there's any problems with this family and we're all happy to be together. How about, how about? You think there's any issue for a guy playing for a coach that he tried to fire? Do you think there's any issue for a coach coaching a player who he knows went to ownership and said him or me? Think there's any resentment at all? Oh, why don't we factor in the part-timer, too, Kyrie Irving, while we're at it? Yeah, I'm sure everything's going to be just fine. And not only that, hey, Boston, you're going to catch some stray bullets. Good luck with Jalen Brown, too. Good luck unringing that bell. Boy, KD has really messed a lot of things up for a lot of people, but he is KD. I could keep this up for a long, long time. So you're hanging out with some friends, you're putting back a few drinks, a few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you got this, you live nearby, you can make it home just fine, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, what are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up? You lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill somebody. Everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still does not stop everybody from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads is to my save lives. Kyle, it's always great you So to have if you, you think the you're okay you? to drive after a few you're drinks, good, yeah, think again. You, you. Play it good safe. Have you back. Plan ahead to get a, a ride. From it only takes one, one mistake to change your it's life or somebody else's kind of thing forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. paid for by nothing you want to do. And then how do you go about preparing for that trip? Well, first of all,
1: it was an opportunity for a home and home against a, a team that uh, you know is a national brand, and uh, you know that's good for our program. We have uh, a fairly large uh, number of players on our football team from the state of Florida, so that's another re- reason they're in our recruiting footprint down there, and so. Uh, a lot of positives, uh, but like you said, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tough opener. and we got our work cut out for us.
0: Kyle Whittingham is joining us. So you return 17 starting players, and the list of returning starters includes quarterback Cam Rising, running back Tavion Thomas from an offense that was almost perfectly balanced. I mean, incredibly, 3,000 passing yards and 3,035 rushing yards. When you return that kind of talent, what does the next step in the offense look like this year?
1: Well, I think for us to take the next step, we've got to have more explosive plays from the uh from the outside from the wide receiver position. We we're running the ball effectively. We've got, uh, you know, an outstanding set of tight ends. Uh offensive line is solid, but if we're going to take the next step in our evolution, it's got to be big play. Uh, big plays coming from the wide receiver position, and that's what we're gearing things
0: towards. We're talking to Cal Whittingham. Cal, you said something about Cam Rising that I thought was really pretty amazing. I want to read the quote. Quote, even when he wasn't the starter, he had the complete respect of the team, but then when he became the guy, it was almost an instant transformation where he was the leader of the leaders, the alpha leader, end of quote. I think that's incredible praise for him. How do you explain his personality? What makes him like that?
1: Well, he's just got that it factor, and that's something you can't coach. I mean, it just comes, it comes naturally, and and he's a guy that that uh, has complete command of of the offense, complete uh, respect of his teammates, and uh, you know he, he leads by example. He's he's a guy. There's nobody that outworks him. Uh, he's studying film constantly. And uh, he's a guy that uh, has that rare ability to make those around him better. And that, that to me, is what really truly separates the great players that they make the players around them perform better.
0: You know, that makes sense to me. But I wonder, how was he able to garner that much respect and really lead before he became that guy? Like, what can you do before you're in that role to garner that much respect?
1: Well, first of all, he had been the guy the year before you know he had won the job uh in the two thousand and twenty season uh, unfortunately, got hurt in the first quarter of the first ball game, so it knocked him out uh had a, a significant shoulder injury had had surgery on that shoulder. Uh, we went out and got a transfer quarterback just to make sure that that uh you know we had our bases covered in the event that uh, cam wasn't able to come back from the shoulder surgery uh He just barely lost out on the uh quarterback competition that fall, the fall of uh to 21 and and uh, really you know was just like I said had a tremendous attitude never stopped uh, working never stopped preparing never 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 even uh, wavered in any way shape or form when his opportunity came and uh, at the end of game three he made the most of it and we never looked back.
0: It's such a great message, great advice. Kyle Whittingham joining us. Now, Kyle, last season was unlike any other for you in the program. Two members of the team passed away within 10 months of each other. The team got off to a slow start, and then you go on to win the Pac-12 championship. I understand you're focused on this season, but what did you and the team learn about each other and people, I mean, as people and character and grit over the past year?
1: Yeah, it was, uh, you know, last season was the the best of times and the worst of times. I mean, as you mentioned, the the horrific, tragic uh, experience of losing our two teammates uh was something that there is no blueprint or template for that. You've you know, to try to navigate through that was very difficult. Uh, credit to our senior leadership. You know, our seniors did a great job of holding things together. And the, the, Really, the catalyst for everything is uh, Aaron Lowe, the, the member, uh, second member that passed away during the season. His mom, uh, the two days after he passed, came and spoke to the team and, and just said, hey, you know, me, Aaron, Ty Jordan, who had passed 10 months earlier, he said, we, we all want you to continue and to compete and to, to uh, you know, finish this season the right way. And that really sparked a a uh, you know our team and and struck a chord with our players and and uh, they rallied and ended up winning you know nine of our last ten regular season games and making it to the Rose Bowl
0: you bet Kyle Whittingham is joining us I mean you talk about the Rose Bowl it's one thing when you're looking to get to your first Rose Bowl but how different is the challenge when you're on top and you're looking to stay on top once you do get there
1: well that's very different, and we've talked about that as a team constantly since January that hey we've got to be able to handle success and and uh you know it's harder to to stay on top than it is to get to the top. That's been the team message and and uh, we've got that target on our chest. And, you know, our MO typically has been to be a little bit under the radar and, and uh, play that under, underdog role. But uh, that's not going to be the case this year, and we've got to be able to manage that.
0: Yeah, not anymore. Kyle Whittingham joining us. In fact, you and I have talked over the years about that move to the Pac-12 and what it's meant to the program. And very clearly, Kyle, you were not going to be happy just to show up in the conference and make some noise. How critical then was it to win that Pac-12 championship, and what does that represent to the program and the school overall?
1: It was absolutely critical and it was the next step in our evolution as a program was to, was to win the Pac-12. We'd won the conference, uh, the South Division, I think four times prior. One, one of those years we tied for the for the championship so we didn't get to go to the championship game. But we'd been to the championship game two previous times, came up short, didn't get it done. So this third time around, our guys were, were not going to be denied. They, they were on a mission, they had a purpose and uh, that, like I said, was the next step in our uh, in our program and, and getting to where we want to be.
0: So what about that? I mean, evolution. Is- is the word, right? I mean there there are levels to this. You get into the conference, then you're competitive in the conference, and then you talk about winning the conference, then all of a sudden you're being talked about a national playoff contender. What is your reaction when you hear that? Do you like being a part of that national conversation or does that feel like pressure and expectation that maybe you want to tamp down?
1: well I think it shows respect for our program and our players and and uh, we're not hiding from that or we don't uh, you know we don't we don't uh, think that as a negative as long as we don't get caught up in it and and uh, understand that uh, you know the only reason or, or way we're going to win games this year is through sheer hard work and and doing things the right way and and uh, you know our team was one game away from the playoffs in 2019 had we won that pac-12 championship game that year we were in and so we've been knocking at the door and and uh, you know if you talk about taking that next step for our program it is trying to get into the CFP and and breaking down that barrier.
0: And then, Kyle, so much of this is about how you adjust, how you react, what's going on around you. And, you know, there's certain things you certainly cannot control, But and I know you're focused on your job and what's in front of you, but what was your reaction to the news that USC and UCLA plan to leave the Big 12 or the Pac-12 for the Big 10?
1: Yeah, very surprised, you know, in a way. But in another way, I mean, with the the landscape of college football and how much it's changed and is going to continue to change, in my opinion, it wasn't uh, something that uh, was completely shocking. But the timing of it and, the, you know, those two teams that have been, uh, you know, just the – uh, you know a mainstay in the in the pack for years and years was was a little bit a little bit surprising but we had a team meeting uh, the day after that and and spoke to the team and said hey you know all we're focused on is our team in this season this move here does nothing to affect that in fact the next two years there's no change and so just uh again ignore the noise block it out and let's take care of our business
0: You know, you never know, right? Like, I know you don't want to make it about you, but the fact is you are now the second longest tenured head coach in FBS. You said last year that when you first took over as head coach, you figured you might be there for a few years before heading to the NFL. What is it about you and college athletes that make it such a great fit and the fact that you're still doing what you're doing?
1: Well, you know that's a good question. First of all, I love it here at the University of Utah. It's been a it's been a, a great uh, partnership, I guess you can say, with the university. Uh, working with college athletes is is very rewarding. Uh, seeing these guys come in here as 18 year old freshmen with maybe you know not a lot of direction at times, and to leave three or four years later with a degree in hand and a future, that's very rewarding. And and uh, you know as you mentioned, I, I had no idea that was it was going to come to to an 18 year uh, career and. And uh, I'm grateful and feel blessed for it. And, uh, you know, it's just been a heck of a ride, one heck of a ride.
0: I mean, an amazing ride. Kyle, is there anything about the NFL that still intrigues you? Is there any part of that that's still in the back of your mind? Uh,
1: probably not. You know, I think that window is closed and, and uh, that sh- you know, ship has sailed, whatever cliches you want to say. But, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm very content here at Utah. Uh, just signed a, a contract contract. Uh, Uh, extension this past year, and so uh, I think, uh, you know, unless something bizarre happens, I think this is where I'm going to finish my career.
0: So let me finally ask you this, and you and I have talked about it, but I'm always amazed by it. You hear people talk about burnout, and you just do not. Kyle, tell me I'm wrong, but you don't seem to have any hint of it whatsoever. Being an elite college football coach, especially in this changing landscape, and in this era, is a meat grinder. How do you explain that freshness and that energy that you still have for it?
1: Yeah, well, like I said, first of all, I love it. love working with the athletes. Uh, second of all, when, when we did make the move to the Pac-12, that, in essence, was like getting a new job. I mean, it was a whole different set of circumstances, a whole new challenge, and so that was a re-energizer right there. And, uh, you know, I've just... Uh, Got the passion for it, and as soon as that passion leaves, then it's time for me to hang it up. But right now, as you mentioned, I'm I'm as excited about this season as any season in the past and, and really eager to, uh, to get it
0: started. I love it. Utah, number seven in the preseason AP poll and a major, major challenge on September 3rd. They open up at Florida. He is the head football coach of Utah. He is Kyle Whittingham. Kyle, I appreciate the conversation very, very much. Great to have you back. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Jim. Appreciate you.
0: Oh, bam. I love that sound so much. It actually makes me smile. You know why? Because that is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Let me talk to you again about Shopify and why I like it so much. It gives entrepreneurs the resources that were once reserved for big business. That way, upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere. They can synchronize online and in-person sales and effortlessly stay informed. It can do all that for you. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. I know this. I know where we started with this podcast, and I know where it is right now, and I know how much bigger it's going to get. Shopify is helping me with all of that. And I love how they have the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Shopify powers over millions of businesses, businesses like mine and just like yours, from first sale to full scale. You can reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more, which, of course, is exactly where you want to be. More than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Here's what you need to do: go to shopify.com/rome, all lowercase, and get a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Once again, go to shopify.com/rome right now. Shopify.com/rome. Cole Holcomb is my guest. Cole, it's good to have you back. How are you? good how are you doing good dude good listen I know you're all about it but when you showed up at camp this year you said two nights before you had not been able to sleep because you were so fired up quote I was just so excited to see the guys so excited to see everybody get back catch up with everybody end of quote listen Cole watching you I know that's true most guys are not that fired up about camp some even dread it what has camp been like for you so far this year
3: uh, you know, I mean, it's a lot of, lot of learning experiences, um, you know, putting some, put some new stuff in, doing a little bit of do things a little bit di- differently. Um, and, you know, just trying to keep growing at that, at that mic spot and, um, you know, take control and, and just keep perfecting my craft every day.
0: All right. So when you mentioned the mic spot, when you're enjoying or I should say when you're wearing that green dot and you're making the checks on the defense, how much do you enjoy that chess match with the opposing quarterbacks and what are those mental battles like for you?
3: It's fun man, it takes it takes a lot of preparation throughout the week. You know, it's, it's uh, when we start game planning it gets a little different than than in camp, but uh, you know, when you get in that game plan, you're you're watching film, you know, you're trying to figure out what they want to check to, what they what they don't like, um, and and just try to be able to take it to the field and and uh, you know, like you said, play that chess match with them and see who who uh, who can get their guys in better position.
0: Cole Holcomb is joining us. You know, you and Ron Rivera have both been talking about the fact that what happened last year does not indicate what's going to happen this year. For example, you had a great defense in 2020 and then last year as you've said the group quote didn't live up to the hype. So I think we got to slice a humble pie on that one and to quote. So, dial me in. what's the mood like among the defense this year? What's the vibe been like?
3: Uh every I mean every day you got to bring it, you got to take it to them. Um you know, I mean I think like you said, we got that we get that humble pie, so I think everybody on the defense is pretty hungry and, and we're trying to We're trying to, like, have the players hold each other accountable more um, and and try and take that next step and take it to the next level because we know we can do it.
0: Nicole, I'm curious. Like, a lot of guys are looking to you, and last year was so unusual in the sense that it wasn't just injuries and COVID, You had some guys dealing with some really serious real-life matters away from the field as well. In the middle of all that, when you're trying to piece together a roster and teammates are looking to you for guidance and leadership, how did you approach that, and what was your message?
3: Uh, I mean, honestly, I just, I try to come with the same mentality to work every day. Um, you know, don't let, don't let anybody see me having a bad day. Um, and then just being there for the guys that, that were going through what they were going through. I mean, I know a lot of them, you know, a lot of the things they went through, it's, it's really tough. Um, you know, I'm, unfortunately, like I'm, I've been blessed and I haven't had to go through the, some of the things that they had to go through. So I was just trying to be, you know, an ear for them and, and a shoulder for them and, uh, you know, try and help those guys out get through what they need to get through but then still be that rock on the defense that comes to work every day and puts his work in.
0: Yeah, Cole, obviously you approach this thing the same way every single day and consistency is so important and you got to take care of yourself. I think what's really interesting if you go back to March of 2020 when everything shut down because of COVID, you quickly reacted. Like you had a plan, you put it to work. The story goes you spent 30 to 35 grand on equipment and you told the athletic quote, "That's what I spend my money on recovery bleep." End of quote. I actually love that. That's one of my favorite quotes. Like, how was that equipment, and what was the recovery bleep? How did you approach that? What was the hardware?
3: I mean, I I called the the store next rep because we we had just got some new equipment in the in our weight room. So I I called our head strength coach, got the got the store next rep's number, told him, hey, put everything you got that you can send me in like three days on a on a list, and I'll just pick from that list. And I was basically able to, you know, keep having my full workouts and being able to do everything that's you know that's kind of catered to to the football side of things you know you 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 try to just go to a regular gym or you just go to like a you know they don't have all the equipment that you need so a lot of it was like specific like jammer arms um you know racks machines stuff like that that was able to help me do a lot of football specific movements and stuff like that and incorporate that in my workouts and and i think it helped prepare me for that year obviously
0: Cole Holcomb is joining us. Cole, I saw J.J. Watt say something this week that I thought was really interesting because you look at him, and J.J. Watt never, ever wants to miss a workout, never, ever wants to miss a practice, never, ever doesn't want to be on the grass, but at the same time, he says, the one thing I've learned is you know, maybe less is more sometimes. Maybe the occasional day off is good because what good is it if I never miss a day in camp, but I'm not there when the team needs me in December? Is there something to be said about that? Because I know you don't want to miss any time whatsoever, but in terms of recovery and pressure is there something to be said about pulling back on occasion?
3: Absolutely. I mean, there are, days, there are days where you know I've had a hard practice, and you know I might be about to cramp up, and I won't be able to get my lift in that day because I can't. You know, I could I could go in there and try and get my lift in, but what's that going to do if I end up cramping up in my in my workout? Um, you know, like things things like that. And then I'm probably like, on even on the regular days, you don't have to miss anything, but. You know, I, I try to, when I come home, I'll hop on Norma Tech. So I'm always trying to, you know, roll out, do stuff that's active recovery, and then I try to get good rest at night because sleep's, you know, they always say sleep's the number one thing.
0: Hey, Cole, by the way, how do you sleep? I think most people I know, we don't do what you do. Our job is different. Most people I know do not sleep well. When you're going as hard as you are all day long, does sleep come pretty easily, or is your mind still really active? Like, how do you sleep? Pretty
3: well? No, no, I mean, it, it is, it is difficult. Um, you know, I have, I have routines. I'll have shoes. Sometimes I'll, I'll put, you know, I, I have my nightly routine that I try to go through. And then if I have a hard time falling asleep, I might throw an audio book on or, you know, try and throw on some white noise just to try and help ease my mind. Cause it is when I, when I sit there and it's just dead silent and I'm trying to go to bed, sometimes my mind will just start racing. I'm like thinking about like, Oh, I need to break this down. I need to do this. I need to do that. So. I try to, I try to help, you know, with the breathing stuff. Um, I use the breathing apps. I'll use, like I, like I said, an audio book. Those are my two kind of go to's for trying to fall asleep.
0: You know what it sounds like to me, dude? It sounds like you have routines and processes and strategies for almost everything. Like, I talk to a lot of people about this, about the importance of having a morning routine. And then most people understand that, right? But then there's a night routine. What's the night routine? I mean, you just touched on it in part, but what is your nightly routine?
3: I mean, it could be, it's, it's, I mean, it's simple. You know, it's like you know, brush your teeth every night, um, take a shower, roll out, get 10 minutes of stretch, and then. Hopefully, my my body's starting to wind down. At that point, um, you know, I might lay down, read a book, you know, talk to my wife a little bit.
0: Yeah, but or you're not bit. you're not into the playbook though, right? The the iPad is off. No,
3: no, I try to I try to put that away. I try not to look at it because you know the screen time.
0: That's exactly, Cole Holcomb joining us. You mentioned you like to talk to the wife a little bit over the summer. You got married. What was that experience like? And how is married life treating you so far?
3: Uh, I mean, the the experience was amazing. You know, it's, it's, she's, an, she's an amazing person. I was very, you know, I was super excited to marry my best friend. Um, and then as far as being married, I mean, nothing that much has changed. We've, we've been living together for a while at the, at the time. So, I mean, I guess, you know, she finally got her name changed. and uh, But that's about it. I mean, otherwise, we've just been... You know, sticking on that routine.
0: I <laughs> got you. I got you. All right. So before I let you go on, I appreciate this. The team brought in Carson Wentz. I know you're mostly paying attention to what happens on your side of the football. What have you seen from him so far? What are your impressions?
3: You know, a really smart football player. He's always makes great decisions. Um, and dude has a cannon. I mean, and, and he's super competitive. You know, he's a great guy. Um, he's been, he's been nothing but, but good to everybody that he's come in contact with. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's just a, he's a good dude, and, and he wants to compete, and he wants to win games, just as bad as all of us here. So we're excited to have him and bring him on.
0: All right, finally, you're going to play without Chase Young to start the season. As he comes back from injury, how do you and the rest of the defense approach that challenge of playing without him until he does come back?
3: Uh, I mean, some guys, some guys are going to have to step up. I mean, you know, it's a next-man-up mentality. Um, we all want Chase back, obviously, very bad, and but – you know, he's, he's got to do what he's got to do to get back to 100%. We want Chase Young at 100%. We don't want him trying to come back early or anything because we know what he can do. And and when he comes back, he's going to help us win games. And, but before that, the guys that, that are going to have to step up, you know, James, Casey, Shaka, Bradley, William Bradley King, those guys are all going to have to to step up and pull some extra weight. But, you know, I I trust those guys just as much as I trust Chase. So.
0: Cole Holcomb, linebacker for the Commanders, joining us. Coming off a huge year. Looking forward to another big one. Washington is going to open up against Jacksonville on September 11th. Cole, it's good to have you back. Appreciate the time so much. Thank you. Thank you. Mets-Yankees. Let's cut to the chase. Big bro four. Little bro two. And the Yankees needed that game the worst way. Had to have it. And on another night where they really didn't get their bats going, couldn't even push across five runs, their pitching did enough to bail them out. And don't get me wrong, that win last night does not turn around the entire disaster of the past month, a disaster I've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. But it did stop the bleeding, at least for 24 hours, because losing last night would have meant taking the panic situation to a whole different level. If the Mets get them last night, you can only imagine how much louder all that noise gets. Not that things weren't already bad, because they were. In fact, things had gotten so bad that GM Brian Cashman was getting booed on Sunday. Then on Monday, he had to give his manager Aaron Boone a vote of confidence before that game. Cashman said, quote, I think he's done a great job. I think he has managed his players extremely well. End of quote. When was the last time the GM had to give a vote of confidence to a manager who had an eight-game lead in the division as of this morning? And the fact is, it was necessary. He did need to. Boone was under more pressure than any manager I've ever seen with an eight-game lead in August. But, let's be real, the only thing anybody talked about coming out of that game had nothing to do with the Yankees' weak bats or their pitching, bailing them out. In fact, nobody was talking about the pinstripes at all. Instead, it was all about that dude in the plaid Yankees had and the crap that he was pulling in the stands. You know, some folks have definitely been taking liberties in the stands recently. No names mentioned. I'm not looking at anybody in particular. That A's couple getting after it in the upper deck. That A's couple getting nice in the upper deck. That A's couple engaging in... or. Getting nice in the upper deck. That A's couple that the cops are now looking for. For engaging in... Getting nice. Anyway, I'm not talking about them. If you've been anywhere near a computer or your phone, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that dude with the hot dog and the beer. What do we have here? A couple of classic ballpark items. Except this dude, instead of enjoying a beer in one hand and a dog in the other hand, MacGyvered the damn thing to enjoy them both at the same time or ruin everything all at once. So you've probably seen this, but if not, the dude takes a straw. He runs it through the hot dog. And you're thinking, why the hell would he do that? Then he hollows out the dog. The hell is this guy doing with that? The hell is he going with that? The hell is this tool thinking with that? Clearly, he starts to drink his beer through the dog. He's just sucking down his beer through his hot dog. What a bleeping bag. Hey, listen, if you want to talk about life hacks, I would argue that the only real hack is that there are no hacks. However, there are people that believe in life hacks, believe in a shortcut, believe in a way to do things more efficiently. Let me tell you this. Sucking beer through a hot dog is not a life hack, nor is it a shortcut, nor is it something that winners do. That is not a millionaire's mindset. That is an a-hole's mindset. To quote Joe Buck, That is a disgusting act. That is a disgusting act. This moron is sitting there drinking beer through a hot dog. You know, kind of like that's SOP, standard operating procedure. Rip the wrapper off the straw, run it through the hot dog, start drinking. And Twitter being Twitter erupted immediately. Incredibly, a number of people on Twitter, pretty good portion in fact, Immediately crown this guy's ass like he was some sort of legend or king. And then some immediately added hollowing out a dog and using it as a straw to drink beer as one of the universal reasons to go. I tend to end up on that side of it. You're entitled to your opinion, whatever it is. My opinion is this dude is a complete bag. But I'm going to tell you what is not subject to debate. The fact that the fix was in had to be a setup, had to be a setup, not to be the dude who has to scream fake, 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 but that's bleeping fake. Don't tell me that there just happened to be some dope who got it in his head. Hey, you know what I think I'll do? I think I'll suck this beer through a hot dog. And some other dope just happened to be nearby rolling on it and framing it perfectly. Right, because that just happened organically. There just happened to be that one a-hole who had a dog who chose not to eat the dog, but to hollow out the dog and then use it to suck his beer through it. And just some other guy who randomly happened to catch it all on tape. What are the odds? What are the odds that some random fan would be rolling video on another random fan in the stands during a Subway Series game and they just happen to get lucky as this guy goes Albert Einstein on a hot dog and a beer? What are the chances? I'll tell you what the chances are. Zero. Zero, point zero. zero. I mean, sure, content is king, but bullcrap is bullcrap, and that is bullcrap. You don't get it twisted. Like, I've got tremendous gratitude, and I feel extremely lucky to be alive. That is, until I see bullcrap like that. Bullcrap like that, that actually registers as meaningful existence. Bullcrap like that, that it's actually considered a win. Like, homeboy... Could do something that stupid and get over. As I mentioned, I'm in here busting my ass every single day, trying to get my rant on, trying to get my interview on, trying to coach you clones up, an impossible task right there. Trying to create compelling content for listeners, programmers, sponsors, everybody in between. And this a-hole can just show up at the yard, suck his beer through a hot dog, and get the entire world to stop and look at him and react. I admit it, that does piss me off. Especially since I think that it was a setup. I hate that. Come on. Come on. Come on. The hot dog king of Maine. Come on. Come on. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it if he was doing it for real, right? Like, I held my tongue when that one fan was caught on video dipping his hot dog in a beer a couple of months back. I call it fake, but I ignored it at that time. But I can't sit on my hands any longer. I'm calling fake right now. And you know what, Mensis? You actually missed out on the real gold mine. What do you do with the hot dog when you're done with the beer? You're not just going to toss that hollowed-out cold hot dog in the trash, are you? Where is the video on that? Maybe you get a fake video of him taking that hot dog straw once he's emptied the beer and sucking out the cheese from the nachos. Maybe you get that fake video of him filling that processed meat sucker with Cracker Jacks and then eating that like a candy bar. Never mind the fans that jump the fence and run around the field. Security should be de this jerk mid-sip. And his video guy should cut the hot dog up into pieces, slip them on their digits, and wear it as a hot dog glove. All right, so you shouldn't be through with that straw once the beer is empty. There's still plenty of other uses for that cold, hollowed-out hot dog. The guy with the camera definitely should go with the hot dog rings. Like brass knuckles. Good night!